0: Everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Roberts, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon.
1: Natalie, as you know, recently several reviews were posted on Yelp, and almost immediately they disappeared to the lowest section of... VirginiaDixon.com page on Yelp. Mm-hmm. And you have to scroll to the very, 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 very bottom to the section that says view reviews not currently recommended. Mm-hmm. Although I was so thankful for the endorsements, I was absolutely shocked that all those five-star ratings and those amazing, amazing endorsements that were posted, they were more like full-on testimonies, mm-hmm. were not accessible to people that follow us, to people that listen to us, to those that are in desperate need of help and searching for alternative methods of healing. I was beyond frustrated. As you know, so was our team. Yeah, so the entire team was frustrated. That was shocking. Yeah. But after hours on the phone with them, right, mm-hmm. we could see that they have these algorithms set up. And again, I was so frustrated because people are looking for alternative methods of help. One yeah. of the things I hear all the time, I've been in counseling for years. I've done everything. I'm on a lot of meds. I like to get off. Something's wrong with me. I don't know what's happening to me. I've been in therapy for seven, eight, ten years. I've tried everything. I've tried everybody. I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. All of those things, right? Yeah. The frustrating thing about these testimonies is honestly, you and I couldn't sit down and write the things they said. Nothing better explains the transformative value of rest than the testimonies of those we have served. And they encompassed a number of different profiles. Fentanyl addiction,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. alcohol addiction, cancer, Mm -hmm. losing fortunes, protecting fortunes, both in the process of potentially losing a marriage. Or themselves, the suicide was also in there. Suicide was in Mm -hmm. there. So a number of different testimonies and the the things they said about what we did and how we did it to be honest with you, Natalie informed me and it gave me so much confidence and so much strength and so much courage to persevere, tirelessly persevere. Mm -hmm. But anyway, both as a company and as a team, we are committed to expanding the reach of rest by advancing the value, the worth, the importance of these rest conversations. So, I'm, I began to write a paper, right? Yeah. About the value of rest and the importance of expanding these conversations, not building community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's about expanding the conversations in order to displace growing confusion, chaos, and disease that's destabilizing people. Yeah. And by the way, we're doing this in order to hedge the growing mental health crisis that we're facing. So I thought it was important for me to just point out that at the most fundamental level, right? It just occurred to me that it's the DSM that the, the diagnostic manual, right, for a therapist that has enjoyed numerous revisions. For those who don't exactly know what the DSM is, it's a Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And it was published by the American Psychiatric Association, the APA. And it provides standardized classification and diagnostic criteria for mental health disorders. So the DSM has undergone, for those that don't know, several revisions throughout its history. And here is a brief overview of what those revisions were. But the DSM initially was published in 1952. The first edition was published then, and it was heavily influenced by the psychoanalytic theory. And the categorization of mental disorders into various broad, I might add, diagnostic categories. Then in 1968 is when the second edition came out and expanded the number of those diagnostic categories and introduced specific diagnostic criteria for each disorder. Okay. Then we had the DSM-3, which is the third edition of the DSM, which was published in 1980, and it represented a significant departure from previous editions. It introduced yet a more expanded multi-layer system that included separate diagnostic criteria for each different aspect of mental health. So you can see the compounding complexity to these diagnoses that began to emerge. Right. It also aimed to improve the reliability and the validity of the diagnosis, which look what we're facing. This was in 1980. We're in mm-hmm. 2004. Look what mental health is. We're in is 2023. Becoming. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. We're in 2023. So think of how, what has happened in all these years. The DSM then four, right? That came out in 2002, the fourth edition, and it was published in 1994, and it focused on refining the diagnostic criteria and improving the reliability of the diagnosis. It included more research-based information, which is a good thing, Mm -hmm. and introduced specific diagnostic criteria set forth for each disorder. The text revision was published in the year 2000 and included minor updates and clarifications. Thankfully, research began to occupy a little bit more space in it. The problem that I have is that I went to a research-focused university, UCI, and the UC systems have this focus on research, right? And I can tell you that just because something is research And just because they have data doesn't mean that it's integritous. Right. Worldviews shape all that and in future podcasts as I've laid the foundation a little bit in the beginning of my book by the way, I'm gonna address this. What was happening with worldviews from the 40s to the 50s to the 60s through the 70s, 80s and 90s. And I want to at some point draw a correlation between those social, political, eco-political systems that began to transition and change and how they influence this diagnostic manual. Mm But we don't have time for that today. (laughs) But the DSM-5 is the fifth edition, and it was published in 2013, and it aimed to incorporate the latest research findings and clinical knowledge. The DSM-5 introduced significant changes, such as combining the multi-axial system into a single list of disorders, revising and reorganizing diagnostic criteria, and introducing new disorders. For example, binge eating disorder, hoarding disorder, and all of those. It also placed greater emphasis on the dimensional aspect of mental disorders. What I find interesting about all that is ever since the DSM 3, I never, I vowed never to open that manual again. Mm -hmm. Not because some of the work didn't have merit. But because I saw the fruit and the consequence and the absolute wasteland that it's left behind in the cancer patients that I had to work with at the clinic, and of course, patients that were referred to me. And by the way, even from having conversations with clinicians, we know how damaging much of the fruit of these experiments have been and the revisions. And the meds that came with them is left behind. It is important to note that the DSM has received both praise and criticism. Some criticism includes concerns and over-medication. Exactly what I just said. By the way, I'm reading this straight from a lot of information that, that I've gathered. The influence of the pharmaceutical companies and the potential for misdiagnosis or labeling has been devastating yeah, the DSM is regularly revised and updated to reflect new research and evolving understanding of mental disorders. Based on what I've said, based on what I've experienced, and most importantly, based on the testimony of the people that we serve, yeah. both that I serve both as a clinic and in, in our private education system center in our headquarters, I'll tell you it is time to reason. And think very carefully before we leverage the labels we've been given and the things we think about ourselves. So, like I just said, Natalie, based on the testimonies of those people I've served, a wide range of people, I might add, we see the effects of the compounding labels during and between all these revision periods and how they basically have enslaved a generation with diagnoses that more often than not complicate their capacity to experience freedom and healing and wholeness.
0: And we have a great actually example of this on an earlier podcast episode that we recorded with Aaron Levesque, where it's called Anger, Asperger's and Healing. It's episode 22. And Aaron talks about how he was diagnosed with Asperger's early on, but We realized that there was more stuff going on there, that the diagnosis wasn't accurate, that he was actually going through some more. It was more. It was was more complicated and way more complicated. And I think that a big danger about diagnoses is a lot of people take a diagnosis as law. They don't take it as a hypothesis, which a lot of times a diagnosis is. It's it's more of a hypothesis of based on your current symptoms. This is what we think we think well, is happening and, to you, and
1: the other thing that I think is very important is, although I'm not questioning decades of research, oh, I'm not yeah, yeah, questioning no. the framework of things. I'm just encouraging people to be careful what you do with what yes. you're told. Yes, because the complexity behind these disease states are so well explained, for example, by the work of Dr. or by the work of Gilbert Relnaut, yes. by the work of what the Germans are doing in understanding the anatomy of disease, by the work of what's happening in neuroscience. There's just, there's so many more resources you have than the framework of a diagnosis. And I think that's the purpose I was saying that. But the myriad of medications that come with a diagnosis, that's what scares the hell out of me. Yeah. And that is what I've seen reap so much havoc in people's lives. I have a nurse that's a very good friend of mine, and I, I need to get her on the podcast. She's been in in the medical field for 40, over 40 years now. Yeah. And her and she, my mom. She, that's right. Mm-hmm. But she said, that's right, your mom too. Yeah. But she said to me about seven years ago, she said, Virginia, you know what's so strange is people used to come in to see us. With one, two, three prescriptions. Now they come in with bags of prescriptions. Yep. They are enslaved by two things, by diagnosis, misdiagnosis, mm-hmm. and meds. Yeah, And it is impacting their mental health. They yeah. are so enslaved by this. It's difficult to have a life outside of the next pill you have to take, the next appointment you need to keep. And the next doctor somebody referred you to. So, again, I obviously am thankful for so many advances in medicine and technology and research. I just want people to say you've got to take responsibility for your health and your mental health, your physical health, especially your spiritual health. And you've got to reason. Take opposing ideas. Take opposing information. Think thoroughly through things. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to leave one final thought. This is a little bit of a monologue that I developed for today, but I thought it was an important one. Think about what I just said. And I I want you to ask yourself this question. How many professional revisions of the mental health Bible, the DSM, can one person endure in a lifetime without losing their mind? Yeah. Without thinking that they are crazy or that they're slowly dying or aging prematurely before their time Mm -hmm. and so the encouragement both to mental health professionals both to practitioners both to doctors because we have all of those in our listening audience both to educators to teachers to whatever your vocation is whatever your walk of life is to moms to teenagers we have some that listen think For yourself, reason and listen to your body. It's an information system that's always trying to communicate with you. Think and reason, listen to that quiet, still voice of your conscience. It's always trying to inform you and understand that. You have three constituents always speaking to you, your spirit, your soul, your body. The spirit is an information system in the ecosystem we live in. It's comprised of good energy, bad energy, things that are just, unjust, lawful, unlawful. There is light. There is dark. There are angels. There are demons. God lives. So does Satan. Turn on the news. Turn on the TV. Look what's happening to media, education, information. Look at the war that is raging. Look at the wars that are, is being waged, war of ideas yeah right before us. And do not be afraid. Consult your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, your feelings, the other sphere of influence, the other constituent, your soul, because it has consequence on what happens in your brain and your body, which is the other constituent, right? So spirit, soul, body, understand these information systems and do not participate in groupthink. Think for yourself. Reason well. All of us, let's lock arms. Let's talk about what we're for, not against. Mm -hmm. Everything that is consistent with laws of nature, like gravity, for example. We are Going to want to strive to come into agreement with each other about these things that are self evident and speak to our natural affections. Yeah, so instead of being combative about what our position is on many things, especially as it pertains to our mental health, I want to encourage everyone to stop and think, do not look to see what everybody else thinks, consult that quiet, still voice of your conscience. It's been with you since the beginning of time.
0: Yeah. And I think last thing I want to say as an encouragement is if you have been diagnosed with something, be very careful not to take it as a label on you or on your life. Don't internalize it. It, It's a diagnosis, but that does not mean that it is the end all be all, that there is healing, that there is freedom, that this is not something for you to internalize and hold on to. I just want
1: people to know trust the good intentions of the people you're working with and use it as a guide, but don't stop there. Continue to explore and do your work. And like Natalie said, don't let those things be a label. Yeah. Use them as a launching pad to exactly. do more research and exactly. find more information. And thank you to everyone who works in the health business, the mental health business and to researchers that I know s- several of them that follow us mm-hmm. and we honor you and we're thankful for your work this is a necessary conversation yeah i think that's what we should title this
0: the necessary conversation
1: yeah the necessary conversation it'll
0: be part of the liberty series
1: a liberty yeah mm-hmm. a necessary yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's a great point because at yeah. the end of the day it's about using all of the resources you have as a thinking, yep. feeling, mm-hmm. reasoning, human being yes. that occupies space in time, mm-hmm. you have the privilege, the opportunity, regardless of what you're facing to really engage and re and, and process all of this and, and learn and grow and change the trajectory of your life.
0: Yep. thousand percent. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Virginia